Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Well, I say good morning. I said it to Peter Blexley earlier, former uh, police detective, of course, here in the Metropolitan Police in London. It is very far from a good morning because what we are waking up to here uh, and have been for the last few hours is a terrible, terrible shooting, a murder indeed, of a police sergeant at a custody centre in Croydon. Uh, A man was arrested, a 23-year-old man, brought into custody. Uh, He was searched. Uh, because he was found to be carrying ammunition. Uh, The search did not result uh, in the discovery of a weapon. Uh, He then somehow managed to draw that weapon, fire it at the police sergeant, killing him pretty much instantly. Uh, He then turned the gun on himself. Uh, He is still alive as we speak. We will be sending uh, all sorts of uh, condolences to uh, the Metropolitan Police family and the police family all around Britain because the police this year have suffered probably inordinately more than any organisation which is there to do good should ever have to worry about. It's a terrible, terrible tragedy. The policeman's family uh, will, of course, be absolutely in bits about it. We will be bringing you all the news as we get it. Uh, We've got teams of news reporters all over the place. We'll be picking up all sorts of pieces of information which we will bring to you. We'll be also bringing you the reaction uh, from everyone, uh, from Sadiq Khan to Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister. Sadiq Khan already under fire on social media because he's referred to what happened in a tweet as an incident. Not a murder. He's referred to it as an incident. The likes of Dawn Butler have been tweeting about how sorry she is that it has happened. David Lammy has also done the same. Uh, Boris Johnson, Priti Patel will be bringing you all of that, uh, all of the social media reaction, the reaction in Parliament and the reaction of the law and order fraternity. Because let's face it, uh, if the police are now getting shot dead in this country, we have got a massive problem on our hands. 0344 499 1000 is the number. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Priti Patel, Home Secretary, has put out this statement uh, in the wake of the shooting of the police officer in Croydon. I'm deeply shocked and saddened to learn that a Metropolitan Police officer has been shot and killed in the line of duty. My thoughts today are with his family, friends and policing colleagues in London and across the country. This morning, I spoke to Metropolitan Police Commissioner Cressida Dick to express my condolences and to offer whatever support is needed as as this tragic event is investigated. This is a sad day for our country and another terrible reminder of how our police officers put themselves in danger each and every day to keep the rest of us safe. And I think we would all echo that particular sentiment. The police, as I say, have come in for an awful lot uh, of of difficulties in the past few months. They've been criticised. Um, they've been uh, attacked. They've literally been vilified by all sorts of people in this country, including some politicians, by the way. Uh, let's talk uh, to Chris Hobbs coming up, uh, who's with us now, former uh, Metropolitan Police officer himself. Chris, a very good morning to you. 
Yeah, hi, Mike. It's a terrible story, this, Chris. You'll probably, it'll probably bring back some memories for you from your time uh, in the police force because this hasn't been a great year to be a police officer in the Metropolitan Police. Uh, so much has been said about the Metropolitan Police, so much has been hurled at them, both figuratively and literally. Um, how are you feeling today? Uh, devastated, Mike, um, to be quite honest. I, I first heard about it in a dream, would you believe? Really? Um, I was asleep. Um, the radio was on, and uh, and when I woke up, I thought, oh, well, that that was that wasn't a very nice dream. And then your researcher rang me, mm. uh, and it, you know, obviously the the broadcast had intruded into, into my sleep, and, yes. and it was absolutely devastated. Mike, the the effect this has, as um, Brian Paddock was just saying, on the police community when a police officer dies is it it really is devastating. It, it shakes everyone to the core, mm. um, and this is this is truly awful, awful news, and. Uh, uh, but as you've sort of indicated, the way things have gone for the Met and, and the policing generally in this country, the vilification that they've had uh, and the attacks on police um, that have grown in numbers and severity, um, I won't say it's, it's not a surprise because it is, but nevertheless, um, you felt that something awful at some stage, really awful, was going to mm. happen. Of course, it's only just over a year since Andrew Harper was, was straight to his death in yes. those awful circumstances. So right. ab- absolutely devastating, mm. Mike. What can you tell us, Chris, about the, the, the sort of the custody centre as, as it is now uh, called in Croydon? I mean, it would have previously been called a police station, sometimes called custody suites. What, what sort of, um, I don't know if you know the particular one we're talking about in Croydon, but generally speaking, what sort of um, setup is it? Yeah, um, I've never been to Croydon Custody Suite, in all honesty, and custody suites have changed <coughs> since I was a, a, a young PC and a, and a sergeant. Um, they're now very specialised um, and very, very purpose-built. Um, there will there will obviously be some questions and that which will be being asked, and I've heard them being asked already on the media, um, and, and it will perhaps be wrong to speculate what's what's going to go on you know the investigation as it takes place there will be questions around searching and of course searching itself is so contentious isn't it at Mm. at the moment um so all these questions will be being looked at i I do understand that that there is a change of procedure and i don't know whether it's going to be relevant to what happened today um because of covid Mm. And between the suspect arriving at the station and actually entering the custody suite, um, there, there is some sort of procedure that goes on, um, probably questions uh, if the person is going to answer them, because obviously they don't want someone perhaps with COVID symptoms in the custody suite, which would then have to be closed down. Right. So I think that that's a change since COVID. Whether, whether that's played any part or not, I'm, I it's don't know. To say. Yeah, listen, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly not trying to uh, discover whether anything was done incorrectly or, or wrongly or procedures weren't followed or anything like that. I'm really just trying to see what you would be greeted with if you were to walk into one of these places. My understanding from the last... I mean, I haven't been in a police station for a long time either, but in the old days, you would walk in, there'd be a sort of desk sergeant there uh, and and I would see people who were being brought in being asked to sort of empty their pockets and being yeah. asked questions and you know that's when they would hand in their watch maybe their phone um, you know all of the things that they couldn't take with them into a holding cell and that would all be done pretty much in front of a desk which wasn't particularly well protected it was just a desk um, you know it might be reasonably high up but it wasn't you know there was no bars around it there was no apparent sort of um, what you would call handcuffing of the suspects or anything like that 
Yeah, I mean, they are much better constructed now than certainly when I was a custody sergeant. And, uh, you know, there, there is a desk, but it's, it's much better protected and the people behind the desk, the custody sergeant and mm. so on, are much better protected. But, of course, these days, when, when police arrest someone on the street, um, sometimes, of course, they're compliant. Yeah. and uh, not necessarily are, are going to be handcuffed. Right. Uh, other times, of course, they are so violent, you know, looking to headbutt, punch, kick, yeah. that it's all the police can do. Maybe five or six of them, for which they're often criticised, yes. um, can get the cuffs on uh, and literally bundle them into the back, and it's mm. often not, not perhaps practicable then to search them. Um, or also you can get a situation where, where the suspect may be compliant, but the police are surrounded by a howling mob, yeah. which happens more and more frequently these days. Right. So you just want to get the, the suspect into the back of the van and away from the flashpoint. Well, let's face uh, it. I mean, we've seen, Chris, over the course of this past summer, incidents, quite a few incidents, more than you would have imagined at the beginning of this year, of, of, of mobs of people actually luring police officers into sort of housing estates where there might be raves or illegal activities going on, uh, just in order to throw stuff at them and to chase them away. Well, that's right. Yeah. As you rightly said, it, life has become extremely difficult now for police officers. Yeah. Um, they're constantly being vilified and abused. I mean, I was at, and I'm not going to single out Black Lives Matter, but at a protest outside Scotland Yard, abuse, insults hurled by the various speakers at, at police. Yeah. But that wasn't, I'm not pointing the finger at them, because last week, again, the COVID protest in Trafalgar Square, Similar vilification, abuse, etc., hold at police officers um, for, for doing their duty. I expect it will be the same tomorrow. And at another protest, the statues protest, Mike, you might remember that, where there were some savage attacks on police by far-right protesters. So it's across the political spectrum almost, um, as well as the gangs themselves, as you say, when there's an arrest, say, on a housing estate or police move into one, they're immediately surrounded, objects thrown and so on. So all in all, it's been a complete and utter nightmare for police, and now the nightmare really has escalated by this, this dreadful incident, but not a happy time. Uh, to be a police officer, and I'm only glad, Mike, that at the moment I'm not out there on the front line in those on those streets. Well, of course, because um, as you quite rightly say, there was a sense over the course of the summer that something terrible might happen, not least because there's a definite kind of sense in London anyway that the levels of violence have somehow ratcheted up. You know, the stabbings, um, you and I have spoken before about the, the numbers of guns out there on the streets illegally that, that was not certainly not the case even as recently as two or three years ago. You know, the criminal fraternity have got very violent and they seem to have very little fear. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we still don't know exactly what happened at Barnet with the other day when you had um, 10 or 11 firearms officers um, sprayed with some sort of corrosive subject uh, mm. substance, yes. uh, and the British public responded magnificently by by rushing out with their hoses and yeah. hosing the officers. That was down. a strange one. I don't really. Uh, we never really got to the bottom of that one. It may no. well be that there's still a trial uh, ongoing or about to be ongoing, so we probably shouldn't get into it. But but you're right. I mean, uh, when police officers are being attacked from all sides politically, one for being too hard on some person, some persons in some communities, and then uh, being accused of being too soft by other people, um, you then get this terrible 
terrible situation where everybody's unhappy with the police and it must be incredibly difficult um, to, to even just walk around. Also, at the moment, and I mean, I, again, I don't wish to, to blame anyone for this, but, you know, I'm seeing pictures last night, Cressida Dick out on the streets of Soho with a whole load of police officers in their yellow uh, high-vis vests and their masks, making sure that people are leaving the pub at 10 o'clock at night. You know, I mean, this really puts all that in perspective. Yes, it does. And the police have been in a very difficult position, haven't they, with COVID? Um, they seem to be, you know, everyone's full guys, really, and girls being being picked on and, and vilified. Um, as we know, during COVID, they were being spat on, coughed on, yeah. bitten, um, even though crime actually was generally down. So they had a really bad time through COVID. And, and if you look at sections of the media, you know, constantly looking, almost hunting down um, police stories, anti-police stories. Mm. We, we actually had, Mike, during COVID, one national newspaper was actually advertising, you know, have you been harassed by overzealous police? Contact this number. Right. And yet when police do something that's positive and good, you know, when they help someone, when they save lives, as they often do, Mike, by being first on the scene of stabbings and shootings, police are often there before paramedics, and they perform life-saving first aid on on the unfortunate victim. Do they ever get credit for that? No, they don't, because political groups across the spectrum and indeed sections of the media are not interested in positivity. They're just looking for negativity, and that makes police far more vulnerable on the streets than I think they've ever been before. Yes, I think you're absolutely right, Chris. Well, listen, my thoughts go out uh, to the police family, uh, because that's how the police feel their family is right now. Uh, Chris Hobbs, thank you very much indeed. Retired Metropolitan Police Officer with over 30 years of experience. We're still talking um, to uh, the police right now. We'll be bringing you all the news as we get it from Croydon. Uh, we've got news teams on their way down there. Some news teams already reporting from there. We're going to talk to police officers throughout the show this morning. Peter Blexley coming up. Uh, Dal Babu, former Metropolitan Police Chief Superintendent. You have to say that a lot of politicians in this situation... Uh, who are now putting out tweets. One from Dawn Butler. How about this? This is so shocking and very, very sad news. My heartfelt condolences go out to the officer and their family and friends and to all the officers at the station who I hope are getting the support they need at this traumatic time. Well, Dawn, that's a very nice message and it's very good to see that you're now in support of the police who you have criticised so much over the past few weeks. This is Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. A very solemn day here uh, in London. A very solemn day, of course, in Croydon. A police officer has been shot dead 2.15am this morning after being arrested, brought to a custody centre in Croydon. Uh, somehow um, a weapon uh, that he had was not seen and or spotted during a search, we understand. Uh, he had been arrested for carrying ammunition of one kind or another. We don't yet know all the circumstances. Our news teams are on the case. We will be bringing you live reports from Croydon as and when we can get some more information. But it would seem at the moment uh, that a police officer, a sergeant, has been shot dead. Uh, the assailant then turns the gun on himself. Um, he is still alive, but in critical condition, we believe, uh, in a nearby hospital. Dr. Rakiba San from the uh, Henry Jackson Society will talk to us a little bit later on. He has tweeted this. One of the worrying features of 2020 is the normalisation of violence violence towards London's police officers. Amid the wave of protests and unlicensed events, assaults on London's police officers rose by 40% under lockdown. And now one has been killed in a police station. Let's talk to Peter Blexley, former Scotland Yard detective, uh, to get his view. Peter, very good morning to you. 
I'm afraid there's nothing at all good about this morning, Mike. No, I'm afraid there is not. Um, but listen, Peter, um, we can't say we might have seen this coming, but it's been a very violent summer if you're a police officer. It's been a terrible summer if you're a police officer. Um, and this is a terribly ghastly, horrible way uh, to end it. Yes. Um, worryingly, assaults on police officers are at record numbers. And this morning, my thoughts go out to this heroic officer, because anybody that does policing is, quite frankly, a hero. That officer may have been going home after night duty to perhaps do the school run. Who knows? That officer may have been returning home after night duty to a loved one. And, of course, that's not going to happen now. But what I must say is there will, of course, be an inquiry. There are certain parasitic elements of the media that are already playing the blame game while an officer lies dead in a mortuary. And let me just make this clear, because on this I'm sure there is absolutely no doubt. No police officer took that weapon into that custody suite. Right. No police officer pulled the trigger. And I most certainly do not want any fine police officer spending the rest of their lives going, if only I'd done this, or if only I'd done that. Right. They didn't take the gun in there. They didn't pull the trigger. They are not to blame. No, of course not. But who are to blame, right? I would say quite firmly and without any shadow of a doubt are some of the politicians of this country uh, who have railed against the police for weeks and for months this year uh, and who have brought their reputations into the gutter and have brought respect for the police down several uh, grades. Policing is a laudable and, generally speaking, heroic thing to do. It is public service of the absolute utmost sacrifice, potentially, which, sadly, officers sometimes pay. To make a difference to people's lives every day, to try and improve the lot of those who are most vulnerable, whilst also putting those who would do you, me, and all your listeners harm where they belong, in other words, in custody, is utterly heroic. You will never get rich and you will never be popular being a frontline police officer, but what you will always have is the overwhelming gratitude of the silent majority. Absolutely right. Well, everybody wants a police officer at some point uh, in their life. There's no question about that. Those who have been calling for, you know, the kind of disbandment of the police, those that have been calling for attacks on the police. I mean, quite frankly, uh, it beggars belief um, that, that, uh, that people would talk about our police force in that way. But it's an extraordinary situation as well, Peter, because we were speaking earlier to, to one of your former colleagues, Chris Hobbs, who said, you know, um, it's almost inevitable that something like this was going to happen because not because of the lack of respect for the police, but the levels of violence now in some parts of Britain are such that carrying guns has become much less of a taboo. Well, sadly, firearms are a part of everyday criminality for some people, mm. which is why in recent years we've seen authorised firearms officers growing in numbers with greater firepower and capacity, and that is in response to the necessity that, that there is. 
for, for, for officers in greater numbers, not all of them, but officers in greater numbers, to be armed. Yeah. Policing is a high-risk occupation. And sadly, this officer today has paid the ultimate price. Yes, generally speaking, police officers are being assaulted in record numbers, but we live in a much less deferential kind of society to what we did 50 years ago. In the late 70s and the early 80s, during the course of my policing, I was stabbed, I was shot at, I was otherwise assaulted, as were many of my colleagues. It is a very high-risk occupation. What definitely needs to be done is that courts and, of course, the legislature, parliament, need to support frontline emergency workers so that when they are assaulted, the, the, the miscreants, the people who are responsible for these assaults, face some kind of punishment which is appropriate and may serve as some kind of deterrent. Sadly, police officers will die in the line of their heroic duty. It takes courage to be a cop, and sometimes these tragedies sadly happen. Yes, because they're dealing with the absolute dregs of society. But I seem to remember, Peter, it was only earlier this year uh, that we were having a debate about whether there should be a kind of mandatory minimum sentence for anyone who assaulted a police officer because there wasn't one. No, indeed. And, and there are many campaigning, including PC Andrew Harper, who tragically lost his life last year. His wife is campaigning for uh, mandatory sentences on those who take the lives of frontline emergency workers and that will be something to be discussed in parliament i'm sure but there are ample sentencing powers available at the moment to magistrates and judges to punish people who think that assaulting someone a frontline emergency worker is is, is remotely acceptable policing these days is a far more difficult job than it was back in my day, because policing has become a one-stop shop for all of society's ills. And back in my day, it was largely good guys and bad guys, cops and robbers. Yeah. Officers have my sympathy. They are routinely assaulted. And if you follow the amount of police accounts that I do on social media, virtually on a daily basis, you are seeing pictures of officers being assaulted. You are hearing tales of officers being assaulted. And it, quite frankly, is utterly unacceptable and something needs to be done. And I think the shortest and sharpest way to do that is that people are suitably punished, whether they think it's OK to an assault a paramedic, a nurse, a doctor, a, a firefighter, or indeed, of course, police officers. Indeed. A very sad day indeed, Peter. Thank you very much indeed. Peter Blexley, former Scotland Yard detective, on the murder. Uh, let's not call it a shooting, shall we? Let's call it a murder of a police sergeant in Croydon Custody Centre. Uh, the assailant brought his own gun in, it would seem, uh, used it on a police officer, then used it on himself. We will be bringing you the latest. Our news teams are live uh, down in South London. We'll be bringing you all of the news as it happens coming up next on Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.
Now, it was thanks to a tweet from Dr. Rakiba Sand that I was able to say to you this morning that uh, more than uh, 40% has been the increase in attacks on police during lockdown. Let's find out from Rakib precisely what's been going on. Rakiba, a good afternoon to you. Morning, Mike. How are you? Yeah, thanks very much for, for joining us, Rakib. Um, a staggering number, that, that you put out earlier on today. 40% increase in um, assaults on police officers just during lockdown alone. You'd have to say, would you not, that much of that has been as a result of the kind of encouragement to disrespect the police and to treat them as if they are the enemy. Well, Mike, one of the most uh, worrying features of 2020 is the normalisation of violence towards police officers. Mm especially in London. Uh, the, statistic, the statistic you refer to there is uh, London-specific, that under lockdown assaults have risen, but uh, assaults on London's police officers have risen by 40%. That's largely uh, as a result of supposedly peaceful protests, uh, a wave of unlicensed music events. Some of these assaults include police officers being coughed at and spat on. Mm. Uh, so... The reality of the matter is, Mike, I do feel that politicians, they've been spectacularly relaxed uh, when it comes to this rise uh, in assaults on police officers. And some politicians, unfortunately, they've indulged in aggressively anti-police rhetoric. And unfortunately for me, I think that's deeply irresponsible. Well, it really is. And what we've also seen uh, is a kind of police-free policing if you like and not because the police individually don't want to police things but because they are told to kind of treat people with kid gloves or for example down in bristol just allow people to pull a statue down and chuck it in the harbour don't worry about it uh you know we might come back and arrest them later uh, they did arrest them later they've now been given cautions they've all walked away nothing really much in terms of punishment so you'd have to say that people who behave like that are pretty much encouraged to continue to behave like that well, I, I think that there's a conversation to be had um, when it comes to the sort of virtue signalling initiatives that police officers have been encouraged to participate in. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that for me, if I'm specifically referring to London, I do feel to an extent that police officers, the image of them taking a knee uh, at Black Lives Matter demonstrations, I, I, I think that sends out the, the, the wrong kind of message. Ultimately, you want police officers to be respected. Yeah. And I, I do feel that their superiors, uh, they've, they've been more focused on encouraging them to participate in what I would consider to be virtue signaling initiatives, when really they should be more concentrated on the, bre- uh, the bread and butter of helping to keep their own police officers safe mm. in the line of duty. I don't think there's been a strong enough emphasis on that. If you're looking at the, if we're specifically referring to the mayor of London, I don't think he's been robust enough in his criticisms of these rise in assaults on London police officers. Mm. So when I see the same politicians, um, supposed leaders, you know, with their messages of condolences, I can't help. It's, it's all very much. It's almost crocodile tears for me, Mike. Yeah. The reality of the matter is over the course of the pandemic, when we've had the rise in these assaults on police officers, these very politicians have been very relaxed. And when it comes to offering robust criticisms of these rising assaults, they're nowhere to be seen. No, exactly. And I mean, in terms of just the policing of London in and of itself, I mean, what we do know uh, is that Sadiq Khan also hides away from criticism on the policing front, despite the fact that he actually does have the ability, should he decide to use it, to increase the police on the streets of London because he could put some of his budget towards that. Uh, Instead, he decides it's better to spend money on closing off streets and building cycle lanes and all that sort of nonsense. 
Well, I think the reality of the matter is Sadiq Khan is elected mayor of London, so that's the equivalent to being London's um, police and crime commissioner. Yeah. Uh, all too often, the, the mayor, he cited Tory-led austerity as a problem in terms of not being able to keep uh, Londoners safe. I'd also make the point over the last four years, he's, he's, he's uh, increased his own uh, press budget. Yeah. Uh, PR budget, uh, I believe, in the region of uh, 20, 25%. So I think the mayor, ought to, what, what we've become used to is the mayor indulging in accountability shedding when it comes to policing and the broader collective security of Londoners. Yeah. And even though, sure, he may be favourite uh, in terms of being re-elected as the mayor of London, I do hope that in the build-up to that election, that his record is put under rigorous scrutiny because there's a great deal to criticise. Absolutely right. And as far as the kind of uh, brazen attitude, which now seems to be abroad in terms of the communities of criminals in London, they don't seem to be in any fear whatsoever of consequences, do they? I mean, we were hearing earlier from David Spencer, our news editor, about that case uh, over in Berkshire, uh, where that police officer was killed last year, dragged under a car. Yeah, for PC a Andrew Harper. That's right. Um, and it seems as though the judge there was able to actually at least um, bring in the maximum sentences that he could but after all, these people were not found guilty of murder. They were only found guilty of manslaughter, which for the widow of that poor police officer was devastating. Mike, I think there's there's a general view uh, that when it comes to treatment of our police officers, I, th I think there's too, too many individuals in positions of power, authority and influence who have been very relaxed about it. And I think... Of course, let's have conversations on how policing can be improved. But the, the, the very same people who really want to have those discussions on how, you know, there, there's a widespread police abuse. By the way, I don't buy into that at all. I think that when we hear the police being institutionally racist in Britain, it's very important mm. to point out that the majority of ethnic minority people in the UK do not believe that uh, police has been infected by systemic racism. They, they, they reject that. They reject that view. It's more of a matter that they feel that there may be a select number of bad apples mm. in police forces. That's the case with police. That, that's a, you can say that about a range of public institutions uh, in the country. So, as I've said before, that there have been too many people. They've indulged in the vilification of police forces, especially uh, London's police officers. And there's inevitably, that's going to have a negative impact in people having a, a, you know, a lack of respect for the police. When you have politicians and leaders who are reluctant to call out rising forms of intimidation and violence towards police officers, people would just think that, you know, when it comes to exhibiting that kind of behavior towards police officers, it's fair game. Mm. And I think that's a huge problem, and I think it needs to be rectified. Well, you remember that incident, I think it would have been sometime maybe in June or July, um, where uh, a, a police officer was attacked in the street in broad daylight uh, in Hackney, I think it was, uh, by three or four uh, guys who were basically just kicking him around. Well, Mike, I, I'd really make the point that in London in particular, we've seen on numerous occasions that people have been it, it, people have been spectacularly relaxed mm. when it comes to being intimidating and violent towards uh, police officers and it's something that once again the mayor he's been he's been near enough silent on mm. it now he's talked a great deal about how policing needs to be improved how we need to root out racism out of police forces okay we have that conversation mm. 
that's absolutely fine. But if you're reluctant to discuss how your own police officers are increasingly subjected to intimidating behaviour, forms of violence, then quite frankly, you shouldn't be in the position of being London's police and crime commissioner. Well, exactly right. I mean, this is the 10th police officer to have been killed in the line of duty in the past decade, right? Which obviously includes the incident last year. But it's the first time somebody has been shot dead uh, since 2012. Um, when uh, that situation happened up in Manchester. But um, 10 police officers might not sound like very many in 10 years, but I think it's a huge number. I think I think it's a real problem. I, I genuinely feel now, and I find it astonishing that I'm saying this, I feel that violence towards police officers in Britain is a serious issue. And I think that should be reflected uh, in statements made by leading politicians. At the moment, uh, far too many have been silent on this issue. And as we've stated before, a 40% rise uh, in assaults on London police officers, for me, that is an unacceptable situation. Mm. Totally and absolutely unacceptable. Obviously, we'll find out more uh, throughout the course of this day and and possibly later on uh, over the course of the weekend, uh, Rakeem. But, you know, the incidents of violence are kind of below almost the water level, aren't they? It's a bit like an iceberg. I mean, because in addition to what happened last night at 2.15 in the morning when this police officer was murdered uh, in his own police station, there will have been many violent acts probably against police officers that we never hear about. Well, I think the, the the reality of the matter is, as I said, it, it, that there is a, that normalisation of violence towards police officers. Now, what I'd like to see, Mike, is politicians for once actually challenging aggressively anti-police messaging. And unfortunately, we hear enough of that from mainstream politicians. And if you talk about the sort of broader cultural context, as we've discussed before, Mike, on a number of occasions, mm. we have the importation of these divisive uh, culture war politics from the United States, where you see bizarre incidents such as people shouting, don't shoot, to British police officers. So you see these uh, issues in the US being misapplied in the British context. And I think there, there is a very serious problem now in when it comes to the vilification of police forces in Britain, and we need politicians to develop a bit more of a backbone and say the reality of the matter is, is it, when it comes to trusting local police forces, the vast majority of British people have trust in their local police force. And I'd also make the point that uh, trust in the uh, trust and confidence in the local police force is especially high in a number of non-white groups. Now, you wouldn't think that with the kind of racialized uh, police-related narratives which are being circulated. So I think that is, is responsible politicians have a duty to add uh, some balance and to challenge aggressive, not aggressively anti-police uh, messaging. And I'd like to see more of that going into the future, especially after what happened uh, early this morning. Of course. Dr. Rakeem Hassan, thank you very much indeed. Centre of Radicalisation and Terrorism at the Henry Jackson Society. Uh, we'll come back uh, with more of your calls because we want to hear from you this morning, uh, this afternoon rather, uh, on this shocking state of affairs. Not necessarily on the shooting itself because you won't know much about that. We're still trying to find out as much as we can. We will be checking in uh, with one of our news team uh, coming up shortly as well. But the streets of this country are definitely becoming more dangerous have the police lost control? Do we need to give police the ability to take control back? I think yes is the straight answer to that. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio.
Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Got a tweet here from Kitty who says this, I'm the daughter of a police officer, close friends with other officers and a huge supporter of all police forces. The news this morning that an officer was murdered in Croydon Police Station is absolutely devastating, but sadly unsurprising. I blame many things, uh, but mostly Sadiq Khan. We have asked Sadiq Khan to come on the show. Uh, he's been on several other shows, uh, but he doesn't seem to want to come on this one, uh, which I think is pretty much a dereliction of duty because he is the mayor of all of London, not just the bits of it that he likes. But there we are. It's about the 28,000th time we've asked him to come on. He doesn't even think that the death of a metropolitan police officer ranks important enough uh, to actually give up his boycott of my show, which seems very bizarre indeed. Let's go live to David Spencer, Talk Radio's news editor. Uh, he's watching events in Croydon. Uh, he's keeping us updated on everything that's happening as it happens. David, uh, what do you think is likely to be um, the timing of everything here? Because I would expect at some point the Metropolitan Police to have some form of announcement and or a press release. Well, I would have expected some sort of confirmation of a press conference, a media statement before now, Mike, to mm. be honest. So we expect that within the next couple of hours, I would imagine from the likes of Cresta Dick at Scotland Yard, of course. We know that in terms of the investigation, not only obviously the murder investigation, the suspect who's in hospital after apparently turning the gun on himself after the shooting at 2.15 this morning. We know that officers from the Independent Office for Police Conduct are on scene in Croydon in South London as that part of the investigation, which is to look to answer some of the questions that you've been asking on this programme, Mike, about how this could happen mm. in a police custody suite. So we know that's happening. We've also been seeing the uh, forensic teams going in and out of the building as they work on, obviously, the, the murder investigation part of this and look at the evidence. And there's been uh, a tweet actually online which is deleted uh, in, the, in the last hour, but it was from uh, a member of the uh, Scotland Yard team who mm. were called to the incident this, this morning. And I would imagine uh, his boss is not happy about that being put out publicly, but just a personal statement about the horrific nature of getting a call like this and losing a colleague, because we know how difficult it is. Yeah. And according to the official figures, uh, just to say, Mike, to put this into context, since the Second World War, uh, this officer is the 17th in London to have died to a firearm, only the 17th since the Second World War. This is a very rare incident, but as we were saying last hour, the death of emergency workers, police officers in the line of duty is something that's been very much in the public eye over the last year since that awful death of uh, PC Harper in, in West Berkshire. And this again is gonna highlight the calls for, as you talked about in the last hour, the sentences around these kind of crimes being looked at and reviewed. Yes, I think that's absolutely right, David. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, interesting statistic that 17 uh, police officers shot dead in the line of duty. But in the last 10 years, uh, the number of police officers who have died in the line of duty, not necessarily uh, from a gunshot wound, uh, is 10. So that's quite a big number, I would say, over the last decade alone. Perry says this, I listen and tweet you every day. I really look forward to your show. Uh, it's always good for a laugh, but not today, he says. I feel close to tears on the terrible news of this police officer, angry at some of our politicians' comments 
comments and feel sad at the demise of this once great country. Well, we are here, um, Perry, to make sure that we remain a great country, that we are not a once great country, that our great country does not fall uh, to those who would like to see it change, uh, to those who would like to see it undermined, and to those who have uh, reacted really um, so strangely over the past few years and which have resulted in so few people having respect for the police. Let's talk to Dennis in Nottinghamshire, who I believe is a retired police officer. Dennis, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Nice to speak. To yes, you thank you. For a radio station. Well, I'm so, very I'm very grateful you have, Dennis. What can you tell me? Well, I did 34 years with Metropolitan Police. I retired in 2007. Since then, a lot of things have changed. Mm. But I did see a gradual erosion as we went through things. Yes. We were poorly paid in the 70s, but mainly the public was with us. Mm. And I was always reminded by the colleagues, well, if we've, not got, if we've got the public with us, things are great. But right. gradually that's been eroded. And I feel that there's more and more of a siege mentality. Mm. Yes, now, I think you're right. And what do you think has eroded it, Dennis? I've, I, I try not to be political about these things, but I think the left wing, I think we've, we've let people do exactly as they want for too long. Yeah. The cord has got stretched. And now we're in a situation where I think it will be difficult to go back. There's not a lot of brave young police officers joining the job, but the experienced officers have gone. And I'm about to say that's financial, the pensions change and all the rest of it. We can't harp on about that. It's not a bottomless pit. But young officers really are doing an incredible job mm. for very little money. And it doesn't help. I can't think of the, the MP's name, but the lady who more or less set those up, those officers up when she got stopped. Oh, Dawn Butler, yeah. And, yeah, and then reversed uh, reversed the tape so it looked like she was in the driving seat. Yeah. Now, what she did, she wasted those officers' time. That could have been done in no time, but mm. I just feel she set them up. And I, I think we just need people on our side. We're members of the public as well. Yes. And also, do you know what, Dennis? I think the, the, the vast majority of people are on your side. But the trouble is, those who are sort of seeking to, 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 to sow dissent and disrespect of the police are quite vocal. There's not many of them, but they're quite vocal. Well, I think we don't get support from management. I think that's the same thing. Yeah. When, I was, when I was in the police, it tailed off towards the end. But you had senior officers telling you how to do the job who'd mm. never done the job. Right. Now, that's, that's very difficult. And I just wish senior officers would be much more vocal in supporting the officers yeah. rather than hearing all the time, oh, this is going to be looked at. Apart from which, resources are finite. I appreciate that. I don't think the public appreciate that when we have these massive demonstrations up in London, yeah. the police haven't opened another box of policemen. Those are policemen who should be patrolling your streets. Yes. And when we're, when we're dedicating officers to looking into someone who might have been rude on social media, yeah. we've got detectives investigating it, we were put there to look after Joe Public, no matter what colour they are, and they're 2.4 kids and make sure that they can live their lives mm. in safety. We don't have the resources to be everything to everybody. No. And when you can please everybody... You won't please anyone. Of course, that's absolutely right. And I think also uh, the politicisation, I mean, it's interesting you said you don't want to get political about it, but the politicisation of these, you know, police and crime commissioners, the mayors, local mayors of, of various cities, you know, there is no question that the management of the police has been politicised. Well, it, it has been politicised, but I think we're very much top-heavy with senior officers. Yeah. 
I mean, we only have to look on the television to when there's an announcement of some kind. You've got civilians standing around and police officers and sergeants and this kind of thing. Going a little bit like America. Yeah. What we need to do is cut back to our core principles of looking after the public, whoever they are, mm. being fair with the public, um, and, and, and not saying, oh, this police officer will be dealt with. There seems to be an almost, if something goes wrong with a police operation, and it will, there seems to be a presumption that the police have done something wrong. Yeah. You can very often do the wrong thing for the right reasons. Mm. And very well um, said. Dennis, listen, I'm so glad you called in. Uh, we've all learned something from that. Thank you very much indeed. Dennis, a retired police officer uh, who says that the public have been turned against the police. I think he's right to say that. But let's face it, it's not all of the public that's been turned against the police. But it hasn't been helped by the management of the police. It hasn't been helped by the politicians in this country, particularly those on the left, who have encouraged people uh, to really think nothing of the police um, but disdain. The good thing about Dennis's call as well is that it completely and utterly uh, blows John Rental's theory out of the water, which was that you can't judge the nation's mood by the people that call radio stations. Dennis has never called a radio station in his life. He's just called this show because there's never been a show like this ever. This is Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Ian Collins will be here shortly to tell us what's coming up on his show. Obviously, he'll be continuing the coverage of this terrible, terrible, awful shooting uh, a death of a police officer uh, while treating somebody in custody uh, who had a gun, uh, who pulled that gun out, shot dead the police sergeant and then turned the gun on himself. He's still apparently alive. We'll bring you up to date with that uh, before the top of the hour. Look at this from Apollo, who's tweeted Dawn Butler. Sorry, Dawn, I feel now would be a good time for you to admit that demonising the police is one of the reasons criminals feel free to attack our police. A 40% increase in violence against the police since lockdown is something you should be helping to reduce, not encourage. Well, we just had a great call there uh, from a former police officer. Uh, Here's one from Jeff, who says, Mike, your barrister guest remarked that we've seen some poor examples of US police dealing with incidents. The news and social media show partial videos, seldom, if ever, full videos. Yeah, that's probably true to say however i would say that you know it's very dangerous to look at the situation in america and take it as anything like what it's like in this country because when you see the type of ammunition that people carry the type of guns i mean you've seen people lining up in the streets of portland right people demonstrating against the police carrying assault rifles literally carrying guns carrying more than one gun being willing to shoot people i mean police officers were shot uh, in kentucky this week alone Because in America, using a gun is not unusual. Thankfully, in this country, it's still relatively unusual. Let's talk to Donna, uh, who's in Merseyside. Hi, Donna. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Um, I'm appalled, to be honest. Um, Obviously, condolences and, you know, I think prayers go to the the family and Mm. the friends. But um, I think this, this has been, you know brought on really by the chronic underfunding of the police. Yes, I mean, I know that we don't like to say certain things and, you know, it doesn't please me to say that this could have, this is something we could have seen coming, but you kind of could see it, couldn't you? Yes, I think, um, you know, I'm I'm sort of old enough just about to remember I was on the beat in local communities. I think um, part of the problem today in society is that it's so rare to see police within your own community we only ever really see them driving around because they're you know in such short supply perhaps if they were more visible within communities not only do communities view them as 
you know, less of them and us. They grow up in their own communities, but also they have a better idea of where the potential trouble is, mm. you know, and and they can sort of grow with the community. Yes, As I, I said, my, my honest opinion is that they are chronically underfunded. They don't have the resources. They don't have the manpower. Mm. And uh, I totally agree with, you know, making police stations safer. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's almost ironic that we have um, metal detectors in court, for example, but in a police station, I, I don't think they have them. No, as a, a I don't think call. they do. Well, of course, a lot of police stations, certainly in, in my part of the world, have been shut down um, in recent yeah. years because the police forces well. yeah. have been selling them off, you know. And even when they were there, uh, people would tell me stories of, you know, you go up to try and see somebody, report something, you ring, you have to ring a buzzer on the outside of the building and then somebody in a call centre answers it. So they don't actually even let you into the police officer's sort of uh, place of work anyway. And I think that the the problem is, the frustration for the public is, um, when you report a crime, you know, it could be, oh, it could be a day before they can get back to you. or So the attitude then may be, well, oh, the police don't care. What's the point of of reporting a crime? And, you know, I I see it from both sides. It isn't the police's fault because they just really do not have the manpower to go to what would be deemed a lesser crime. Yes. You know, it's all about priorities. I mean, although you I, I say think... that, and I mean, at the moment in London, there's plenty of police walking around wearing high-vis jackets, <laughs> making sure that you're wearing a mask when you're coming off the tube. Precisely. Well, I was, I was going to get on to that, but the funding, Mike, I think is absolutely ridiculous. The, mm. the government and subsequent government, you know, previous government, have seemed to have this, this idea that, you know, p- policing is not a priority. Um... We seem to have been getting limitless amounts, billions, for all things COVID-related. Yeah. But the things that actually matter to people, as in safer streets, that, that's just by the by. Yes. And I think if you were to maybe poll people on what they actually think matters in, in you know, fundamentals, is making sure that the, the, the streets are safe for everybody. Well, listen, if your street isn't safe, as we heard from Olivia Utley when she was talking about moving out of Streatham in South London because it's just become so dangerous, three lockdowns uh, by the police in a year, you know, people, if you can't feel safe in your own neighbourhood, then life isn't worth living, is it? No, it's not. And I, I would also just touch, I have to say, please, you know, no doubt people will misconstrue this. I am not racist i do not see color people are disadvantaged of of all ethnicities yeah. color of skin it's the system that's broken yeah it's, it's equally unfair to everybody but i have to say i'm absolutely disgusted that we seem to have, have, have adopted or accepted that we could have what i consider a potentially terrorist organization as in a lives matter movement where they have the tagline mm. of defund the police i know and, and we have tics of this displayed on Sky Sports at the football matches and taking a knee. We have kick out racism within football. We have, and I'm, you know, I support every sort of anti-racist um, sort of charity or awareness mm. that's going. But what I don't want to see is an organisation that promotes defunding the police yes. and when we have optics of police 
kneeling. Now, I can't believe that any police officer would have thought, oh, I tell you what, that's a really good idea for me to kneel down mm. in front of anybody. Mm-hmm. My idea is if you support somebody, you stand shoulder to shoulder with them. And I would just stand shoulder to shoulder with any black person, Asian person, whoever. I do not believe that we should kneel in front of anybody, whatever the colour of the skin. And for optics, I don't think that is a good look for the police. And I cannot believe that that was taken at a sort of beat police person's level. But it was, it was clearly a decision that was made by the likes of Cressida Dick. Listen, Donna, what a great call. Thank you so much for talking for the nation because a lot of people will absolutely agree with every single word that you have just said. People are not racist in this country. There's no problem uh, with racism in this country institutionally. Of course, there are individual racists in this country. There always will be individual racists. But there's no reason or necessity to adopt an organisation that would like to see the destruction of capitalism, the destruction of the nuclear family, and indeed the defunding of the police. We need the police and we need more of them. Let's talk to James in Shropshire. Hi, James. Hi, you there, Mike. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Good. What can what can I do for you? Um, I just wanted to give you my kind of viewpoint on on the recent events, especially obviously this terrible tragedy that's happened. Yeah. And uh, I just think that, from my perspective, I'm a registered manager for a residential children's home, okay. and I've been in the for 15, 16 years. And what I've seen over the past, you know, as my time working in the sector, is that there seems to be a massive increase of violent crime. You know, knife crime, gun crime, and everything else, mm. and also in the attitudes of the young people that um, I've come into contact with when I've worked all over the Midlands, and it seems to be such a lack of respect, not only um, for their fellow peers or adults, but also specifically for the police. Yeah, it makes me wonder why that is, um, what is it that the police have, have done to them that they feel that they they have this awful viewpoint of the police are scum, the police are vile, because they're not. Mm. They're just like everyone else. And it worries me that this is an increasing trend that yeah. I see. In- it's almost yeah. as if it's a narrative, isn't it, James, that's, that's sort of yeah. out that's out there, and they believe it. Absolutely. And I just wonder where it's come from. Because it seems to be, you know, for the past 20 years, it's it's been on the rise. Yeah. Well, I'd have to say, when you get senior Labour Party MPs sending out videos which effectively tell you to ignore the police if they stop you in a car because they're up to no good and they're probably racist, I would imagine that's not very helpful. Absolutely not. And I saw that, I've seen that video, and it's absolutely disgraceful. And when you've got the likes of that happening and then you've got Sophie Ducker on a a programme and, you know, saying kill Whitey, I mean... Absolutely disgraceful. Mm. On if you would say that about any person of, of any colour, no matter what they are, how has that person not been brought to justice yeah. and prosecuted? I know. Absolutely shocking. Shocking stuff. James, listen, I've got to run. Thank you so much for your call. Making sense as ever, uh, the callers to this show. TJ's in Bedford. Uh, we'll squeeze TJ in. TJ. I'll try and be as quick as I can, Mike. Please. Um, I think the, uh, the the thing is, is it's all. I mean, what you did a couple of months ago with that uh, BLM um, leader, oh, yeah. Gary uh, McFarlane, you yeah, tore him apart. And the thing is, is the problem we've got is none of these MPs, none of these by like BBC, none of these companies are condemning the things that happen. If there was some condemnation for some of these attacks and some of these things that happen, this wouldn't happen. No, it would make such a difference if. Dawn Butler, Diane Abbott, these MPs actually condemn what happens. They don't condemn it. 
They condone the protest. Mm. They condone the attack. And if that happened, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And that's that's. It's, to me, that's just, it's plain as simple as yes. that. And what you did with Gary McFarlane, some people should have looked at that video and said, well, hang on a minute, in plain as day, what that guy said is what he wants. Defund the police. No, we need to fund the police. Yes. The police need more funds, no question about that. More protection uh, and more respect, quite frankly. TJ, thanks very much indeed uh, for that. Uh, it's been a very solemn show today. Um, we haven't done some of the things that we were going to do because, uh, you know, they simply got overtaken by events. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.